Hey guys, we're live. Welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Today, uh, I haven't had you on in a long time. Sujiwa Ekanayake. Not since uh, the last movie, uh, which came out in early 2022, I think. So, last time I had you on, you did The Secret, Soci- the Secret Society for Slow Romance. Now you have The Secret, for Soci- the Secret Society for Slow Romance 2, Cosmic Disco Detective Renee, and the mystery of the immortal time travelers. Now, Correct. I think, yeah, that's a bit of a, yeah, that's a bit of a um, long title. It reminds me of another another title uh, from what? a film, uh, Doctor Strange Love, and how I learned to uh, <laughs> learn to love the bond. <laughs> or, or Uncle Ben Me, who can recall his past lives. Right there, you go. Right, right, right. I just called the movie Cosmic Disco Detective Renee for short. In yeah. Chicago, they uh, at, at the facets at the marquee they left Renee out, and I didn't want to bug him too much about fixing that. But Cosmic Disco Detective is okay. Cosmic yeah. Disco Detective Renee is ideal, and uh, for written purposes, full title is Cosmic Disco Detective Renee: The Secret Society for Slow Romance Two. Actually, mm. there's another part: The Mystery of Immortal Time Travelers. Right, right, yeah. I think I put them all together into one awesome. eventually because I, I didn't. I was like, was it? Would it be rude if I emailed him and then asked him, "Hey, what's the title of your movie?" <laughs> because I know it says it. I know it says it like on the link, and I know it says it in the email, but it's still like three different titles put yeah, into yeah. one. It's crazy. It's title craziness. I just went with it for fun. But uh, Cosmic Disco Detective Detective Renee is probably. How it will be known. I'm also planning a Cosmic Disco Detective Renee Part Two. Um, working title is NYC UFO Sex Cult, and uh, and it'll be like a monk, like a monk episode meets a Star Trek episode, and it'll be much more. Uh, I mean, things will happen in actual locations, not just people talking uh, mm. in a few locations. It'll be much more of a normal-looking movie. And uh, I think it'll be fun for a lot of people. Hmm. hmm interesting. I'm trying to. I'm trying to imagine how the sex part works into the movie. You know, well, it's, because... a sex cult. it's a UFO sex cult. It's so... a UFO sex cult. Okay. Now, do they know the time travelers as well? Um, no, entirely different. Uh, possibly even entirely different dimension. Different uh, Renee. Different Allison. Uh, mm. No, we'll leave the time travelers plot to the current movie. Right now, do you create your own multiverse with your characters, or yes, is this, okay. I would have the multiverse. The uh, first one was in uh, in a dimension that's very close to ours. The second one that we you just saw, that one is a little bit different, a little bit different dimension. And uh, so I think every one of the Renee movies will have will be in a different dimension makes it easier for me to write. I don't really have to worry about what happened in the previous one. I can just, you know, bring in whatever's needed for the new plot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I'll be making other movies also, not Renee movies. And also, some Renee movies uh, may have other actors besides myself playing Renee, if if needed, and uh, depending, right. depending on the story, depending on the dimension. But yeah, exactly. I'll play Renee on the next one. Yeah, well, exactly. When you have a multiverse, you can kind of recast however you want to. So, you know, Marvel can fix a few problems they're having now with that. That's but, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was your take on the movie? Did you enjoy it more yes, than I the did last enjoy movies it. of mine you've seen? I, I enjoy it. I like how it's sort of like a slow meditation of a film. It's supposed to be slow cinema. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to, you know, you're supposed to just kind of enjoy the time. Because the stakes in the movie are very high. You have these immortal time travelers mm -hmm. who, for all we know, for intents and purposes, could lead to a conflict that leads to nuclear war. But yet everyone's very laid back about it. And they're kind of like sitting in these small apartment buildings, although they're supposed to be having like these big scale discussions about these sort of things but i kind of i kind of like how it plays like a very dry comedy mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be just be seen sort of like in a like in a smaller venue and stuff like that it's not a big blockbuster it does talk about big blockbusters and your thoughts on those and that was great but it's just a little bit of tidbit of different bits of information that i like different scenes that play out that make it that makes it an enjoyable viewing awesome yeah it could be seen anywhere. It could work in a big blockbuster theater. It's, it was made to uh, primarily be watched at movie theaters. But yeah, it's an art house, definitely an art house comedy. Um, yeah, it's a comedy. It's got multiple plots happening, um, multiple dimensions. It's got some fun stuff. Uh, the feedback from people who are into this, these kind of movies and who've seen my previous movies have mostly been positive. I think you've seen three of my movies now. I I might have I I think I might have at this point. Just, yeah, you you saw man, you, you saw Werewolf and then you saw American uh, Werewolf Ninja Philosopher. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so it's been a while, but yeah, I, I enjoy the connected universe. I enjoy how every scene is literally like it, it's it's a testament to just making movies on your own. You could tell it's just like three cameras where it's just like you just hit okay. roll. Uh, one camera. Yeah, yeah, you just hit roll and then you record and you just have the conversation. It's not meant to try to distract the audience with constantly cutting to things and all that. Mm -hmm. It's just supposed to draw you into what you guys are talking about. You know, it's a lot like the Jim Jarmusch films that you like mm -hmm. so much and all that. It's movies that are just introducing that kind of slow aspect of filmmaking, which, you know, we, we I'm seeing a little more of thanks to A24. There is uh, All Dirt Roads, Taste of Salt that makes your movies look like they're about race cars <laughs> i mean that that movie was holy shit that was slow but it was it was good but it wasn't great you know sometimes how a filmmaker thinks something is more important than it really is mm -hmm. that's how i felt when i watched that movie you know it, uh, and, and everything is not for everyone also it takes getting used to first time i watched mm -hmm. the movie i fell asleep but then i watched mystery train and I really connected with that one. Then I went back and watched Stranger Than Paradise and the other movies. Then it all made more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, soul cinema is not really meant to be enjoyed. And like, it's not easily consumable right away. It's not something you can just watch and then you're like, oh boy, that was a lot of fun. I can't wait to see that again. You know, no, I, I like it. I like it. To me, it's fun. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. You develop the taste, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like over time you develop a taste for it. Like you said, you fell asleep during Jim Jarmusch's first. Uh, Strange from Paradise. Yeah, yeah. you fell asleep school. during it the first time. Yeah, well, in film school I was watching it. I was like, wow, this is boring. Went to yeah, sleep. And yeah, yeah. Later on, I I caught a uh, Mystery Train, which is much more. It's colorful. It's got more stuff going on, and I was able to get into it more. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, I and that's the funny thing with film schools. Like when I went to film school, it's kind of like when you have to study all day and then you go to a class at like in the morning. I had classes like eight thirty in the morning. It's like, hey, watch this movie at eight thirty and let's try to break it down. It's like I was too tired to even pay attention to what they were giving me for my assignments at that point. It was just mm-hmm. exhausting. It's not, you know, film festivals are great but they're not the best way to see movies all the time because you see so movies piled on top of each other, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, but with this one, it it's, it's fun to kind of watch straight through. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of one of those movies where you could catch like a scene in the middle of it and you wouldn't miss much because you it's would, more, you would, but, but, uh, but I'm glad you were able to watch the whole thing all the way through. Okay. Well, I mean, it would be kind of, detrimental of me if i didn't watch the movie all the way through and then to the interview about it you know that that would, that would be, be too bad be yeah no yeah, well, exactly. because it takes place in multiple dimensions which is not revealed to the end it uh, yeah i think there's a lot in every shot that uh even w- the shots without dialogue that uh people can get something out of if they were to watch the whole uh, the entire thing all the way through in one sitting yeah now, how is everyone in this movie, in this in this universe, so casual? Like when they're talking about nuclear war, they're like, "Yeah, we could all die." But anyways, <laughs> well, that's just how they are. Right, right, right. No, uh, maybe maybe they don't freak out too much on the surface. Maybe they freak out internally. Well, I mean, they'd have to freak out somewhere. I, it would have to come out externally somewhere. I mean, you well, could all I mean, die. Uh, the. Uh, the Allison character seems more worried, and then the uh, government agent is, seems more worried. And okay. uh, Renee is Loki. That's just his character. Yeah, it's, nothing seems to face him, even the uh, threat of nuclear annihilation. Uh, yeah, he's on no, the job. He's thinking about how to stop it. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. It's exactly in his character. So how now? You move. You premiered this at Fastest in Chicago, I think, mm-hmm. on uh, November twenty ninth. Yeah, uh, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. How was that? Awesome. A bunch of people showed up. Well, I did an event where it was three movies called uh, Indie Discovery LA in Chicago, using some of the movies I showed under Indie Discovery LA banner in LA. So we had uh, Bristol Fashion from uh, New York City Filmmaker uh, about a trans lady who lives on a boat. And we had, and the director was there, Pierre Gillette, or Gillette, I'm not sure. Pierre Gillette, I think. Uh, uh, I think Gillette is his last name. Uh, And then we had uh, Only in Theaters, which is a great documentary. Have you seen that one? Mm -mm. Okay, I can send you a screener link. Uh, I mean, the title is low-key, but the... There's a lot of epic stuff in the movie. It's about trying to save a uh, art house chain in L.A. from shutting down. Mm. And uh, it's got some major people in it. Uh, Kenneth Turin, who's a film critic, Eva uh, DuVernay, uh, you know, Cameron Crowe, lots of people are in there talking about what the, what the theater chain means to them. And it's a really well-made movie by Raphael Sparge, who was in Exorcist. He's uh, the new Exorcist. He's, mm. uh, he's an actor and an award-winning documentary filmmaker. He came out to Chicago. Pierre came out to Chicago. I went out there. Um, we had a handful of people for each show, but everyone, and it was a Wednesday night, everyone who was there had a great time, and uh, the movies looked and sounded great at Facets. It's a great theater for filmmakers to play in, one of my favorites. And 
these live screenings, live events really help down the road with the VOD because we can take promo posts and articles connected to the live event and repost it with the link to the VOD saying, hey, if you missed it in Chicago, check it out here. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds like a great event. It sounds like, yeah, I know Ian Simmons from Kicking the Seat showed yes. up. Yes. And now, did he, he do a Q&A with here. you? What was that? Did he do like a Q&A with you or is he just there to hang out? No, he came in and he introduced and did a, and, and moderated the Q&A for the uh, Only in Theaters documentary. Oh, okay. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, so much of your time, uh, or I'll get to this question later, but anytime. Yeah. Uh, you guys do talk about the current state of film criticism, and then you talk about how colonialism has affected it. Uh, could you get, could you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, uh, in America, every country sees itself through, uh, you know, historical events that that have shaped it, right? Mm-hmm. So Israel sees rest of the world and Palestine through its own unique historical lens, which to us would may look, you know, weird and perhaps even unreasonable. The U.S. sees itself primarily uh, out of the, you know, the colonial slavery and post- all of that stuff, post World War II lens, and uh, but the rest of the world sees us much differently. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, some countries only know about you know the U- America's uh, war making abilities because they've been attacked so many times by America, right? Yeah. And, uh, so to them, it's not like a, you know this cool country out out there out there. Uh, over the oceans, it's you know, with New York and Chicago, you know, all this great stuff going on. To them, it's a, you know, it's a country that, you know, bombs us from the air for various mm-hmm. reasons, right? So, uh, in the same way, the history, you know, colonialism shaped the entire world. So, countries that came out of it, countries that were aligned with it, countries that are tied to it. Are seen a certain way by uh, by you know people who are outside of it, and even on the inside, uh, much of filmmaking in the U.S., indie and Hollywood, uh, presented primarily white male filmmakers until like the 1980s, right? And this is that's like 80 some years into filmmaking in the U.S., right? The art form in the U.S. is a little over 100 years old. So, so that situation became possible because of the special status uh, white males held in the U.S. from the beginning of the Republic, started by white males and primarily intended to benefit white male landowners. But over time, the country's like, well, this, this is a crazy idea. We need to bring more people in, you know, make democracy available for more people open up the country to other people so we can, you know, have, we can learn about other people and have those people here have a diverse society and, and, and which gives us an opening into trade, business, travel, military alliances with other countries. So, um, so the, I like the development. I like how it happened. A lot of the bad stuff happened before our time. And, uh, but the way Hollywood is now, and uh, I mean, it's been changing last, you know, since the 1980s. It's become much more diverse. 
but the indie how the, the indie scene Hollywood uh, film critics mostly until even recently I mean even now most film critics in the U.S. are white male film critics and that is a benefit white male writers get from the history of the U.S. and this is true all over the world right in Sri Lanka uh, the most people in power are going to be Sinhala which is the majority ethnic group that I'm from. And uh, in China, it's going to be one ethnic group. In France, it's going to be certain 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 type of white people. In in, in the UK, it's going to be a certain type of white people. So this uh, tribalism and uh, and uh, and privileged people is a universal human thing. Uh, but in the, in America, that uh, you know that has a negative effect on minority filmmakers, female filmmakers minority film critics uh you know their work is not taken as seriously mm-hmm. not as much money is put into not, not as not as much attention is paid to it but you know this is all relative right uh indie film is a very liberal uh you know and open uh you know space we have a lot of asian cinema other foreign cinema and american cinema in it hollywood is becoming much more diverse there's been a strong push over the last 10 years to diversify it. Uh, partially it's an economic thing because, you know, there's a lot of people who are, uh, to whom the movies are not relevant. And when they make a movie that's relevant, like Black Panther makes crazy amounts of money. So if you want to stay in business, you have to go after every possible audience. Yeah. Well, it's, it's become it's sort of, it's funny. There are a lot of critics who look like me. I can't, I can't lie about that, but that is, uh, that is a result of the system. And, something yeah and history and something that you know sorry folks i'm white no (laughs) no problem i'm just saying we're on the right path to diversify i mean every every individual should have uh, the ability to practice the art form they want to practice right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah white white, whatever these are all labels ultimately it's just individuals who are trying to do stuff now i have seen a little bit more diversity put towards the filmmaking world like you even look at something like the marvels that was done by an all-female team you know female cast uh, female crew uh and then you know you see a lot of the oscar nominees this year you'd see a lot more films made by directors of color and you know directors of of who are not just all white males but it's slowly getting to a more diversified state, but it's still a heavily, you know, white, you know, male-led centric. Well, another aspect is more minorities have to invest in movies than produce movies. Yeah. If you have a story or a perspective or a way that you want to cast a movie that's different than what the majority uh, community wants, uh, uh, does it or wants to do it, yeah, put your time and money into it. Make movies. I mean, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be one institution or one set of companies in Hollywood making movies. A thousand different, you know, outlets could be making and releasing movies. A yeah. lot of movies are seen online now anyway. So some movies, a tiny uh, bit of movies will go to the theaters. Everything else will be consumed by the target audience for those movies. I mean, uh, yeah, there's movies like, uh, Hong Sang-soo, is a, uh, he's a South Korean director. A lot of people don't know about him, but I look, I, I search on the web and look to see when his movies are playing, and I uh, try to watch it online. 
Yeah. Well, we, th that's the nice thing about the online market is that there's so much content, you know, it's kind of like there, you don't have an excuse not to see so many different films from so many different types of filmmakers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's grown because now I guess the counter to that is, well, yeah, but there are not as many are playing movies, but that's not true. I mean, I, I feel like A24 is saving cinema, you know, in a lot of ways. I mean, a lot um, of movies are really good. Uh, you know, people who say movies are not good anymore just are not watching yeah. enough movies or the right movies. I mean, uh, movies, American movies now or and world cinema is amazing. I mean, look at movies from the 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Right mm -hmm. now, like everything looks sci-fi and amazing. Yeah. Well, and now it's because the technology is there where basically anyone can make something that's of high production value. Yeah, you know, but they put some work into it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can go out, you can get like a black magic pocket cinema 4K for like $1,000 and then just pay like an extra thousand to build up the body. And then, boom, you, you all of a sudden have a professional film gear kit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then, I shot my movie on a $2,500 or so dollar sony camera xa50 mm -hmm. i mean you can you know but i've been making movies for a long time so um did you like the cinematography in the movie of the city shots and stuff i did i did i liked how colorful they were you know it was more colorful than like a lot of your previous stuff mm -hmm. you know there's the uh shot where everyone's you know just kind of standing on the bridge looking out at the sea which is real nice and you know you kind of captured the sunset there awesome. so yeah there was great you know there's some good shots in there you know yeah you you uh stepped it up a bit which is pretty um, nice it's just a different it's just a different kind of a movie um, yeah i mean there's no one way to do movies uh no you could do it in a super low-key way or you could do it uh in a super hyped up marvel kind of way but uh, an, an experienced filmmaker is able to, will be able to, you know, uh, do a movie as the script demands it. You know, uh, each mm -hmm. style is like a different language. So, yeah, I mean, uh, what I did on this movie, I could have done years ago. But uh, mm -hmm. this is the right, this was the right uh, idea, script for multiple dimensions, a little bit of sci-fi effects, um, you know, whereas... Werewolf Ninja Philosopher was black and white. Uh, yeah. It was a noir story. Previous one, a Slow Romance, it was more like uh, My Dinner with Andre. I wanted to keep it as less fancy as possible, but uh, we had some nice shots of the city in that one also. Right, right, right. So how do you end up developing your movies? Like, Where do you come up with the kernel of the ideas and uh, put them to paper and then on screen? Um, I think like most artists, uh, every day I come up with ideas and I write them down. And then once the movie is done, then, uh, you know, a few weeks later, I start gathering ideas for the next one, the final ideas. So prior to, no, once this movie was done, I was leaning towards making another Renee movie, but making it much more of a normal plot with events happening in, uh, in, at various, you know, Various locations that are, uh, you know, that are uh, in a large number of locations. More of a more of a regular movie, kind of like Pulp Fiction, uh, and kind of like maybe Breakthrough Weekend, which is a movie that I did, my first movie, a detective comedy, that I did in New York, and uh, and the characters went to a bunch of different places, and that was fun for some people to watch. Ian Simmons is a big fan of that movie. Mm. And, uh, so yeah, so 
Uh, I have uh, lots of notes, and as uh, soon as one movie is done, I try to jump on the next one, because the longer you wait, the more difficult it becomes to make a new movie. That is very true. I've kind of experienced some of that myself, where I've had projects that, if you let them leave, if you let them linger on for a bit, they end up getting nowhere. Mm -hmm. And you, you can and also the fear of making work and fear of criticism, the fear of getting stuff out there stops a lot of people. There's a lot of people with time and money. I mean, I, I was talking to Pierre about this. Uh, you know, he's got two kids and he has a full-time job, and but he still makes movies. Mm. And I do a bunch of other things and I still make movies. Um, people who make movies uh, just go out and do it because the longer we wait, more afraid we'll get of criticism and just the, you know, how daunting the task is. So if you think too much about it, you can't do it. Uh, we have actually a question from our comments here. Uh-oh. We can check it out. Yeah. Sure. So from, from somewhat Cyclops. Uh, colon <laughs> colonialism and its impacts on film was a thread of conversation in both the Secret Society movies so far. Will that be extended in the next installment? All right. I'll say it's possible. Oh. Let's see when I finish the script. Yeah, <laughs> and you're putting that in the comments. Yeah, but posted. Yeah, yeah. it's good how live commenting works. I like it. Yeah, I know it's all it's all made instantaneous these days. Any mm -hmm. bit of filmmaking is done. Anyone can be a live streamer now and get a ton of views, which is That's probably good. yeah. I don't know. I know when Grand Theft Auto 6 comes out, I'll just probably be live streaming it. <laughs> Which one is that? Grand Theft Auto 6. It's a video game. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, Grand uh, Theft Auto, got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, how do you see the um, current state of cinema? Do you think it's flourishing or do you think it's somewhere in between? Or I think uh, Hollywood uh, is focusing mostly on really big budget movies um, and easy money like Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. But uh, elsewhere, most movies are ma being made independently and outside of the U.S. Uh, lot, a lot of U.S. indie stuff is happening. Yeah, I think uh, cinema is healthy. It's fine. It's, uh, it's just a lot of Hollywood, you know, the classic Hollywood movies going to theaters is not, you know, that's been disrupted from a couple of, uh, due to a couple of reasons. But a lot of people are making movies and they end up on BOD ultimately. So, yeah, a lot of options now. Big now, movies, little movies, movies from the past. It's great. It's a good time for to be a filmmaker and a good time to be a fan of the medium, uh, to be a movie watcher. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's almost too much to keep up with at certain times. Mm -hmm. um, so what is the mystery of the immortal time traveler who are they and what do they want do you have any questions on any answers to that that's in the movie they uh, towards the end of the movie uh renee the renee character comes up with ideas as to what's happening so i'll let people watch the movie for that because that's the that's the mystery the mystery the answer is in there now, when was this movie filmed? Because I noticed a lot of people were wearing masks on the train and all that. Was that during the pandemic? Some of the shots came from stuff filmed for uh, for uh, the first uh, first Renee movie, but uh, in in 
in New York, there was a rule that you had to wear masks. Maybe maybe in early 2022, it was in effect. So some, mm. of, that, some of that footage is from early 2022. As soon as, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, as soon as Renee Renee One Slow Romance was released, which was in early 2022, I, start, I started doing test shoots, uh, working on the script, uh, the dialogue, and planning out the movie. And we're doing we're, me and uh, me and Aaliyah and, uh, and possibly other actors. We're going to start uh, doing that for the new movie also. Figure to figure out a look and a way to present the story that's different from all the previous movies. Right now, much of your time is just seen with uh, Allison enjoying the scenery. It helps soak the audience into the film. What attracts you towards that more reserved, slower style? Um, it's a way to tell a story. I mean, I like slow cinema movies and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a way to tell a story. Okay. Uh, what do you think? It... I, I may do something super fast, you know, if the right story comes along for comedy, for deadpan humor, um, this, you know, that, that, that structure is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey, so what do you think could connect us more to each other in the universe? Because a lot of this movie is about people just trying to connect, I think. And I think that's what they're trying to do with the time travelers. Mm-hmm. But what what is what is the secret to that universality that we can find within each other? People need to chill out, appreciate life, which is an amazing mystery with a, with a lot of good in it. And they need to communicate. Um, you know, I, like I, I tweeted recently, don't, don't do film projects with people who, you know, or screening projects or anything, distribution projects, criticism projects, with people who don't communicate well. Uh, you know, people need to talk, talk about what, you know, what's on their minds and uh, they need to respond to things that are happening, ideas that you have. Yeah, communication is key. I was just thinking about... Uh, the, I mean, you know, everyone's focused on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict right now. Uh, just looking at all the media and media about the media, that's, you know, things that are happening over there. The sides really, you know, in many cases have bizarre ideas about the other side. There's, uh, you know, uh, uh, and people from both sides have said this, you know. People in Palestine are like, yeah, we didn't really know that aspect of Israel. And Israel is like, we didn't really know, we didn't pay attention to, you know, how miserable regular people's lives are in Palestine, in uh, in Gaza. Then there's people in America who are like, yeah, the Israel and Hamas are the same thing. I'm like, well, no, it's Israel is a regular country, which is, you know, under you know, it's subject to all kinds of regular legal, uh, you know, limits and regulations. All the other regular countries are limited limited by. Hamas is a, you know, guerrilla, guerrilla group slash terrorist organization, you know. They can do whatever they want. They, uh, they don't have the same limits. So it's not the same thing. It's like saying, you know, United States versus ISIS, right? I mean, it's two different, two different kinds of entities. Not saying one is right or wrong, but uh, yeah, you can treat um, a regular country with limits and a guerrilla group the same way. Yeah, so, so think- a, lot of, a lot of people just don't have not paying attention and not they don't understand what's going on, and 
this also comes down to communication. Uh, neither, you know, neither Israel nor Palestine or Hamas has really communicated really well why they're doing what they're doing, what mistakes they've made, what are they trying to accomplish. So it's all, you know, super confusing. Yeah. Well, humanity, we always, we always like to say, well, we got to learn how to get along with one another. And it's like, well, we have historically proven that we can't do that That's and fun. that we're always at war with each other, you know? So to all of a sudden just say, okay, we all got to chill out. You know, we're, we're never going to get there. You well, you, well, I mean, much of humanity is at peace more than 90% because we're yeah. like, uh, we're That's like true. 8 billion, 7 billion people. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, Ultimately, a lot of people do chill out and get along because the war is not sustainable long yeah. term. I mean, you can't have war all the time. And I think when you have just constant like coverage of it on television, right. it just escalates a lot of stereotypes and negativity that you're going to get from people who don't know any better. Right, right. And, and we tend to lose a focus on human individuals, right? These mm -hmm. are... Humans getting bombed, humans getting massacred and terror attacks. You know, this is not just, you know, political uh, ideas on paper. You know, it's just imagine, you know, you get, you know, butchered by someone, uh, some girl, a fighter, or your house gets bombed. You know, this is real stuff. So yeah. uh, people who look at it and deal and engage with it also have to chill out and push everyone towards peace. Yeah. I, I, people always ask me, what's your side on? And I'm like, I don't have a side. Well, yeah. Because I, why, I could, why do you have to have a side, right? Yeah. Like the, they're all people stuck in a horrible situation <laughs> that I could find absolutely, I can't even find imaginable from my privileged background, you know? And I mean, to be, to be an American in a lot of ways can be a privilege. In other ways, yes. it can be, you know, not so great, but. You know, we're, we are able to talk like what we're doing right now. We're able to talk about movies and watch movies and relax. Meanwhile, people's homes are getting destroyed. Mm -hmm. And then we take that information in from the media and we go, well, I don't like the Israelis because they're doing this. Or I don't like the Palestinians because they're doing this. It's like you have no clue what you're talking about because you're not even remotely connected to that situation, no matter what you read. Right. Right. Um, yeah, people need to chill out and uh, push everyone towards peace. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, about indie filmmaking, uh, I mean, that opens up all kinds of worlds to people, uh, viewers, and also filmmakers. Like we're having this discussion. You got to, you know, a, a filmmaker from a Sri Lankan background, and you might not know many Sri Lankans. So mm -hmm. you know, that's uh, that way. And you know, I got to go to Chicago hang out with people in Chicago. It's a different city. It's not New York. So uh, filmmaking and other art brings people together. Yeah. What, what do you think of Chicago? Like, I'm, a big fan. I'm a big fan. It's a smaller yeah. place than New York, but it's manageable. Yeah. I went to film school there briefly um, in uh, the early 90s uh, to Columbia College. And uh, yeah, uh, Fast Nets is a great venue and there's lots of other great venues, Music Box. Uh, film center, uh, lots of other venues. Uh, Chicago could be a, uh, they could be a be ho a, a home for something like South by Southwest, but for film. 
because yeah. there's good transportation, giant airport, good hotels, good movie theaters, and a uh, you know, large number of people who are into movies, and a lot of film critics. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we got a little comment here. Hey, from Manchester, England. Hey, how's it going, Manchester? How you doing? I'm going to say, hello. This is for both of you. The tools to make films and videos are so accessible. What could be done to overcome the challenge of connecting media to the people who will love it? Ooh. Okay, let's just look. Tools to make films and videos are so accessible. What would be done to overcome the challenge of connecting media to the people? Hmm. Well, first off, you have to make a good, you have to make a good movie. Good well, looking. Promote, promote more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Filmmakers have to promote times one hundred more than they do now. That your movie has to be good, whether it's funny, whether it's serious, because you. It has to have. Your, it has to have something. Uh, it has to have a hook. Someone that someone might like. Yeah. Yeah. If there's if there's no hook to it. No one's going to see your movie. You know, there's so many times where, you know, someone's presenting a movie and it's the kind of it's the kind of movie where I'm going, well, I don't want to see this. This is boring. And it's not just because I'm not the audience, but because, frankly, a lot of people's movies either look cheaply made or they're not uh, well edited. So mm -hmm. you got to pay attention to all those production values of yours. Uh, now this now this. Uh, oh, yeah. So create blog posts, do special events. Yeah. And here's the thing with an online society these days, you always have to be on. Like how often would you say, like how many hours a day are you sharing on social media and, and, you know, promoting your film and all that? Um, depend if there's an event like the Chicago event coming up, uh, then I'm on there a lot, but usually when I'm waiting for something at the, at the store, laundromat, you know, in between things I'm on. And also I do some of my day job work, media promotion work fundraising on my computer so i take a you know five ten minute break jump on there so probably a few hours a day if you add up all the hours yeah. all the time that i spend on uh, online but yeah i mean as someone who makes and shows and distributes movies yeah i definitely have to be on uh, on the web a lot because that's the way i get my message out yeah yeah and then do, do you with all that work do you get any sleep in i do I can't, I'm no good with that proper sleep. Yeah, I, I understand that. Uh, so the Film Seeker Society of Slow Romance has some long shots of Aaliyah's bottom. Uh, <laughs> what was the intention of that? It was just a fun thing that we came up with. I think uh, I think while we were doing some, uh, some uh, still photos and uh, back in the, you know, early 2022 or so, I posted one up and she posted uh, in Facebook saying, oh, my butt's looking good on that one. So <laughs> we worked that we worked that into the dialogue. It's just a funny thing to have in the movie. Yeah. Now, do you like disco music or is that just kind of a joke? Yeah, to put in the movie? yeah I'm, I'm a fan of it. Who doesn't like disco music? Eh, it's okay. <laughs> it's fun if you're in a club, I guess. Then it works. It's, it's, it's always fun, upbeat, upbeat uh, music. I like it. Yeah, did you ever hear the disco demolition massacre in uh, Chicago that happened? It was during a Chicago White Sox game, mm -hmm. and before the game started, they had a disco jockey come up and destroy disco records, oh, yeah. and then yeah. everyone rushed the field and then destroyed the place. Mm -hmm. Back in the yeah. day, yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of the scrutiny that disco is put under, but it can that's be fun. To do. Now we're bringing disco back little by little. A little bit, yeah, a little bit. It works. Uh, so how do you deal with the world of distractions when trying to be productive? Well, film is so, uh, requires so much work. If you want to get it done, you have to, you know, set everything else aside and get it done. Otherwise, uh, it'll never get done. So it's just training yourself to focus, having deadlines and trying to meet them. Yeah. And then what, what do you believe about filmmaking is so magical? Um, I mean, you get to, you get to, Go to other worlds, see other people's perspectives, and spend time with other people and stories that are not your not your own. And uh, you know, especially at a movie theater, you know, you get you just get transported to uh, another world. So it's a magical experience. By magical, I mean it's a unusual. It can be a very positive experience. Right. And Allison had a great bit in the movie about why she loves New York City so much. You know, you can go up to a complete stranger and have a conversation about something. And if you could deal with the rats and the rent, then you can deal with New York City. Uh, what what about New York uh, draws to you so much? I love the scenery that you do of New York, by the way, in the film. Yeah, visually, it's a great looking city. Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, that's that's uh Item number one for a filmmaker or a, you know image maker, being in a place that that visually looks good is you know very much a plus. Mm -hmm. um, and everything I need to make movies are here, and uh, a lot of the things I need to show movies and promote movies are here. It's a nice place to live. Um, just on uh, when was it? Saturday, uh, Raphael showed his movie at a local theater called New Plaza Cinema uptown. Uh, uh, Upper East Side, uh, and me and my girlfriend, we took a trip. Took us about an hour to get there and watch the movie at the theater. The theater is inside a college; uh, it's uh, it's you know it's going through a transitional uh, phase. And then afterwards, hung out with Raphael and got some food and you know, took a trip back. It's like a mini vacation, and you can have all that in one city. And yeah, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I I literally was just saying yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so. And there's a lot of New York I haven't explored yet, a lot of films uh, and stories that can take uh, place in New York that I haven't done yet. So, yeah, it's a great place to live, great place to work, a little bit expensive uh, or can be, but you just have to watch your money and, you know, uh, just be conservative about that. And, uh, yeah, the rats are not really a problem for most people. The city is doing a lot to fight it. Relatively a clean city for a place that has, like, you know, something like 8 million people in it. Yeah. I mean, Chicago, we get rats too. I remember I lived in this one place where my car was parked in the back of my apartment mm -hmm. and I opened up my hood and then just a bunch of rats came like running out of there. They, they chewed up my engine. Uh oh. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get rat problems too in Chicago. Yeah, no, I, I haven't had any pest problems, uh, but some neighborhoods, uh, you know, it does happen, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've lived here for uh, over 10 years now, maybe 13. Great, mm -hmm. great city to live in, you know, never a dull moment, a lot happening. And a lot of people here who are trying to do things, a lot of people who need things done, you know, businesses and stuff, so that's good for day job work. And, uh, you know, a lot of people to collaborate with. The other two filmmakers, Pierre uh, Gillette, uh, Gillette and 
and uh, Raphael's Barch. They're also from New York, the three, you know, that I showed in Chicago. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of filmmakers, film institutions, independent, uh, and also television and some Hollywood stuff here. So, yeah, ideal city for me. Yeah, it's 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 a lot like a, it seems like a really big Chicago where you have people yeah. who are in this creative community who just kind of like hit up with each other and get in tune with each other and kind of they I said each other twice now Jesus Christ okay, it's a huge, <laughs> huge Chicago when I went to yeah. my first few hours in Chicago on this trip I was like oh it's like Brooklyn but with far less people yeah yeah it's 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 like it's a little less people but it's like you get sort of like your own little creative community going and your own group of people that you yeah, can- New York, New York is massive. You've been here? Uh, I was only there in 2000 and 2003. Awesome. So yeah, it was weird. I was here, uh, I was in New York a year before 9-11 happened mm -hmm. and I was in the Twin Towers, like taking footage wow. from there. Yeah, and then 2001 happened and I had that home video footage of me like up inside the tower. I was like, holy shit. I can't yeah, believe I a, have that. That's material for a video essay. I did do that. one back in high school and it was really good. And they lost the tape it was on. Mm -hmm. And uh yeah, it's like I'm still I still haven't forgiven them for that, you know. And uh we might have uh uh I'm trying to figure out where to play the movie next. Uh we might have some UK screenings happening. Oh, well, we had our friend from Manchester chiming in earlier. That's right. Yeah, he did have a comment, which I don't know if this is real or not. I had an accident last week. I fell into my wife's used <laughs> knickers basket at first <laughs> when I was drunk and passed out immediately. <laughs> okay. I don't think this is real. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Where is that one? Is that new? Yeah. <laughs> this was... This is uh, when we were um, inviting. Uh, who, I know somewhat Cyclops. I know who that is. She's yeah, been, that's Jamie Tall. Yeah, um, like she, say, she she chimed in, going. and then this guy chimed in. <laughs> uh, good luck. Yeah, <laughs> but no. If you go to the UK, that'd be great. So then you can go overseas and actually show your movie, and you can see how that audience takes it in. Because I'd be interested. Most likely, to most likely we'll do q and A Q &A from here because it's yeah. at a, we're looking at. There's a, a nonprofit uh, movie theater that's mostly run by volunteers, and the programmer there's interested in showing the movie. I don't know if they have the budget. Uh, all three movies uh, from all four movies from Indie Discovery LA are being considered. Uh, we'll see how many movies they can show and when. I don't know if they, if they have the budget to fly everyone up there, out there, and it all depends on what people are doing also. But right. we can do Q&As over Zoom. Yeah. Okay, so you could show the movie there and then just do a Q&A from where you are. It's, it's funny, like, how much Zoom. Like, we, we ended up using Zoom on my show just as, like, a way to still have episodes, although we aren't reading in person. But then it ended up becoming kind of, like, something people preferred. Mm -hmm. because it's just so commonly used now. But mm -hmm. it's a, it's amazing. In the world of digital filmmaking, you have stuff like Vimeo mm -hmm. that really promotes people's work mm -hmm. and all this other stuff like Vimeo, even YouTube, they're having like amazing video essays on there now. It's like the work's just endless that you can find it. So you find any, it? any critics or programmers interested in 
uh, Renee or the other uh, three, uh, fourth movie is uh, Three Worlds by Mir Madla that I showed in LA that are that are part of the uh, Indie Discovery LA series. Anyone interested in showing our movies or talking about them, seeing them, they can get in touch with me um, on Twitter and also wilddiner at gmail.com is my email. Okay, so we gotta we got I gotta add this in the comments then. Sure. So then we actually have this in the description. So if you send me the links to all this, I'll make sure that this actually goes out to the audience to see it. Uh, send links. Yeah. But that would but yeah, because move you're always looking for places to promote your film, and there's always places to have it promoted. And that's kind of the uh, ecosphere of the uh, film at, of, of the film world today is that it's all over the place. Uh, so this is kind of a the snow monster again. Now, well, hello, snow monster. <laughs> so this this is kind of a gag question, but would you rate yourself as one of the happiest people in North America? I would say I'm pretty. I'm up there, probably, probably in the in the top thirty percent. Let's say, how's that? Okay. Okay. And do you have a preferred indie run movie theater? Uh, I think Fast Sets is re it's a good one, and there's a lot in New York. I don't want to uh, you know single out anyone and and uh, and uh, not uh, you know promote the others. But we have IFC Anthology, we have uh, uh, Film Forum, we have. Uh, quad, we have uh, Maisels, yeah, we have a uh, you know, you know, in Nighthawk in uh, in Brooklyn, we have a lot of great indie art house theaters in New York. Now, do you think we're too pop culture obsessed in America and we could have a little bit of less Marvel movies? Um, I mean, it's something for people to do, you know, I mean, yeah. every country has to have something going on, I mean, uh. Pop culture could be one way that you know people nationwide try to connect with something or other people. Uh, Marvel movies, I think uh, you know it's a Hollywood product. When it's when it stops making money, they'll move on to something else. Yeah. Now, do you believe humans could ever coexist? Oh, we actually asked this before. So. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah, we asked this. We do for the most part uh, with some uh, with some. Uh, trouble spots happening every year uh, and you know humans are tribalistic and violent but uh you know for the most part we're not for the most part we're okay. yeah for the most part we get along so right. how do you think aliens would visit us if they already haven't visited us uh what was the question how do you think how do you how do you think aliens would visit us how would it go about if they went ahead and visited us they would uh, probably do a reconnaissance small team would probably come in and take a look see what's going on yeah it's safe depending on their goals you know if they're here to study us they'll probably be low-key about it if they're here to take over the planet then uh, you know they'll probably go about it uh, another way but probably like uh, any other type of exploration probably a small team first yeah yeah, because I was wondering that because you were wondering in the film what's going on with the time travelers and why are they visiting us? And that's kind of where that came about because it's like it has that commentary of I think we did discover aliens or we discovered a UFO and the government released it. And it was around the time of COVID mm -hmm. and everybody was just like, we don't care. We're yeah, tired. We had, other, we had more pressing existential existential problems. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a big universe. It's entirely possible that we have aliens. Yeah, we go into it a little bit in uh, in uh, Cosmic Disco Detective Renee movie, and in the next one we'll go into a lot. Uh, that's that. The next one's about aliens. Um, and also, I want to take the time out to appreciate critics like Jamie Toth and uh, you and Ian Simmons, who take out the time to watch indie movies, you know, uh, micro-budget DIY movies, uh, some underground movies, because uh, the Hollywood machine pushes the Hollywood movies at the face of critics all the time. So, you know, it's good to be able to find some critics who are into checking out the smaller, the smaller projects. And I wish I could see more smaller projects, you know, especially during this time of the month, because we get the Oscar season, as they call it, mm -hmm. where you get about like 50 or 100 DVDs in the mail and like 100 movies being sent to you. And then they're like, OK, tell us if you want to see this for best picture of the year. That's and right. you also got to review half of these. <laughs> and then you have to go ahead and deal with that big truckload of work. So. It's good to watch something that's not part of that work mm -hmm. and to actually kind of unwind and see something that's a little more fun than, you know, the usual uh, Anatomy of a Fall, which is a super heavy movie, you mm -hmm. know, and I think today I'm seeing Ferrari, which... All right, that, that looks fun. I'd like to see that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for the future, I'm planning a screening that has a movie uh, by Rick Schmidt. He's an indie filmmaker who's made uh, 25 plus movies and he... Uh, uh, wrote, wrote the book feature filmmaking at used car prices and a uh, very influential writer uh, filmmaker for a lot of indie filmmakers uh, yeah. that, uh, a movie by him uh, the title i'll announce later and uh, then uh, plus cosmic disco detective renee and plus any other movies from the indie discovery la series so we're planning a new york event uh, probably for march early stages of planning all right. So before we go, uh, is I, if I were to guess what this movie is trying to do, it's trying to relax the viewer and have them find and embrace a fellow creative community because a creative community can feast that nerve for art to flourish while also feeling like a second family. Is that sort of what you're trying to ca capture in your film? Um, those are good thoughts. At some point when you have free time, you should write a, you should write a written review. I liked your written review of uh, there was one that I read last night. What was the most recent one that you uh, that you Wonka? Uh, what was it? Was it Wonka or Poor Things or American Fiction? American Fiction, yeah. Yeah. That was the review. You you went into it at length, and it made me more interested in the movie. So yeah, write a write a written review, and you can down the road when you have free time. So yeah, of course, you can, you can articulate some of these thoughts. Uh, in greater detail, uh, the the goal the goals for uh, Renee movie was one have it be a cre uh, interesting, entertaining story, a good escapist story that people can watch, and uh, second is to push positive ideas like creativity and community uh, that are useful and essential for indie filmmakers to get our work done. Absolutely excellent. So. Thank you so much for coming on. We have a link to your film that people can check out. The Vimeo link is there if you want to see Cosmic Disco Detective Renee. So, Jiwa, where can we find you on social media? I'll email you all the links. So everyone should check out uh, 
Only in Theaters by uh, Raphael Sparge, Cosmic Disco Detective Renee in my movie, and also Bristol Fashion by Pierre Gillette, or Gillette, I gotta figure out how to pronounce his last name. And then Amir Matla's uh, movie Three Worlds. I'll send you links to all that. Those are the cosmic, those are the uh, cosmic, those are the Indie Discovery LA movies. I'm on Twitter, mostly Sujiwa Fantastic, until I find a Twitter replacement. There's Sujiwa.com, which is one of my websites. There's uh, NYCFantastic.com, one of my websites. But I'll send you all the links, Mike, so you can uh, post them below so people can follow them. Yeah, I think I'll post those in the comments so that awesome. everyone can see them. All right, Sujiwa, awesome. thank you for coming on. And, guys, thank you for watching this. If you like what you saw, go to YPA Reviews, the YPA sensor. You'll probably agree. Or you can catch up. On my material, on my reviews for a lot of the newest films and also some indie films and also some other stuff. What other stuff? Well, it's all movie stuff. No shit. So everyone go check it out. <laughs> and and uh, thanks for the comments. Thanks for uh, joining us, people. This is, uh, this is, I mean, uh, I, rarely, I usually don't do the live interviews. They're usually rec recorded, but this is fun. Yeah. So, it's well, nice to have live commenters. It's 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 fun to actually have an audience come in. I don't know what was going on with Vigil, but I hope uh, everything sure is. We'll find there. out in the future. Or not Vigil, Virgil. Right. <laughs> it was that name. Virgil. All right. <laughs> okay, guys. We'll see you later.